0: Five, four, three, two, and we're live with D Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone.
1: Welcome to D Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant based journey. Just
0: test voice. Let's welcome our guest. Addie Delaney Meinrich is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and cookbook author. She works remotely in Houston, Texas as the health and wellness coordinator with Dr. Jamila J. Delaney's medical practice. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Addie Delaney Meinrich.
1: Greetings and welcome back, Addie.
2: Hello. Hello, Amy, and hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be back on Be Green with Amy.
1: Oh, the, our green warriors were just so happy to hear that you were coming back. They really enjoyed your last cooking demo. And if the, any of them missed it, I'll put a link to that in the comments. But today, Addie's going to show us how to make temp, a tempeh rubin. Ooh, I'm excited yeah. about that. Yum. <laughs> because I don't know. I don't, well, it's before 2012 is when I had a Reuben so <laughs> really, <laughs> that's when I went plant-based so I'm really excited to uh, to try that. And Addie's also going to teach us about the benefits of soy and fermented foods. Now yes. before right because yeah we have a lot lot to talk about and a lot to unpack. So before we start the recipe demo, let's begin with our true or false game. Alright, perfect.
0: It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer.
1: Okay, Green Warriors, type in true or false, and then Addie's gonna let us know the answer. The first question is: True or false? All bacteria are bad. Hmm. Okay. All right, and we're not going to wait for everybody. We'll just let Addy go ahead and tell us the answer.
2: All right, perfect, perfect. Um no, not all bacteria are bad and we need um the good guys to stick around. So when you get put on maybe some antibiotics, if it's necessary, um, it doesn't select for bad versus good. So you get a little bit of wiped out of both, which is not great, which is why we're going to talk today a little bit about why adding some fermented foods into your diet can be beneficial in that circumstance, um, as well as just a regular part of your nutritional practice. But no, we want good bacteria um, or our good microbiome within our gut. Those good guys, we want to make them big and strong because that helps with our immune function. 70% of our immune system is within our gut, as well as digestive health, inflammation throughout the body. So good bacteria help to keep you healthy in all areas of your body, not just your gut.
1: That's an excellent answer. It's so exciting to hear things like that because for so many years, that's what we thought, that bacteria was all the more bad. And there's just so much information coming out on a daily basis, new studies showing all the different benefits of these types of bacteria. So I'm really excited for you to talk more about it. Okay. Our next question is true or false fermented foods are an important part of adding more diversity to our diet. Okay, Green Warriors, true or false? And they're going to type in their answers. And, Addie, go ahead.
2: True. So uh, fermented foods provide probiotics, which are the good bacteria that we're looking for to add to our guts. And when you choose from different types of fermented foods uh, from different sources, or you're making your own. You're selecting for different bacteria species, giving you more variety within your gut. Fiber from all the different plant sources also helps as a prebiotic to feed that good bacteria. So when you eat a nice variety of different plants throughout your day, you're exposing your good bacteria to a variety of food to help them grow and multiply and become strong and have a nice variety themselves. So the more variety, the better and fermented foods help with that.
1: Yeah, I think that that's so good to know. And we'll talk a little bit more about that too, because there's different types of fermented foods that we have to think about. And there are some people that may have some sodium concerns, but you can help us address that also. All right, we have another question, Green Warriors, and we're almost ready for our recipe demo. So true or false, soy reduces testosterone levels and causes feminization in men. True or false? Okay, Addie, what do you say?
2: Big fat false. Everybody can benefit from soy. Um, phytoestrogen, which is the um, phytonutrient found within soy, is not the same as the hormonal estrogen that we produce. It does not decrease testosterone production. Actually, it can help balance out your estrogen production, which we'll talk about more, helps to reduce your risk of breast cancer or even breast cancer recurrence. So soy is great for everybody and it's not going to make uh, you more feminine, all the men out there. And it's one of the awesome plant-based protein sources um, to, to give everybody some nice strength too. So don't, don't fear soy. It should be in everyone's diet.
1: I'm glad you cleared that up because it's just so important to know that. And even some people that are plant-based may still be kind of concerned about that because there's so much yes. misinformation out there.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and I will actually say, you know, if you look at current research, so actually 2009 to beyond to now, um, it's all beneficial when it comes to soy. So there is no concern for the negative effects of soy or the estrogen effects of soy. Um, there's just a lot of good things coming out. So we should all be excited about the, the, the possible benefits of soy.
1: Oh, well, excellent. So like I said, it's been a long time since I've had a Reuben and they, they were very flavorful and probably really bad. <laughs> and then you go plant-based, you think, okay unless I go for these analog meats that are probably some of them probably worse for you than their other right. the versions that they're trying to imitate, what can you do? So you just say, well, you know, I have so many different foods to eat. I guess I'm just not going to have that, but you're going right. to show us that we can have our Reuben and eat it too, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. Um, I worked in a small bakery in a small town I lived in, in college. And, um, they did lunch sandwiches and my husband, when we started dating was not plant-based and his favorite one to get there was a Reuben. So like you said, kind of your pre-plant-based life. Um, so this is a great alternative, super flavorful. We've got a few different soy ingredients as well as a few different fermented food ingredients that I'll talk about today. That's part of this dish. So it is a tempeh Reuben, tempeh is a fermented soy product made from the edamame soybeans. And so you're getting that probiotic bacterial benefit within the tempeh. It is not um, the same as tofu, it's actually much denser. So you are getting more calories, more protein, and actually more fiber when choosing tempeh, not that tofu is bad, just a little different there. So in, in one sense, you don't need as much, because it is so jam packed It has a little bit of a different flavor and texture too, since it's the whole bean. So you you get um, a little bit potentially of a nuttier flavor and you don't necessarily have to cook it. You want to look at um, your packaging. Um, It is technically already, you know, cooked and ready to go. And You, on the other hand, don't wanna cook it too high. So whenever you're cooking with fermented foods and adding them to your dishes, you wanna think about the cooking temperature because the higher we cook these foods at, actually kill off some of that good bacteria. So you wanna keep things about 215 degrees or less. So we're just lightly heating this up, really to make it more palatable, get the flavors to come out. Um, And this is a super quick and ready dish that the sauce for the Reuben actually, I kind of feel like it's a thousand island-ish type of a dressing. So you can always put this in an airtight container and keep it in your fridge for up to a week and use it even just on like a salad or a baked potato. It would be a really great option. But let's dive into our Reuben. So well, I
1: love that. I just want to remind everybody that the recipes, there's going to be a link to the recipe in the show notes. And also, the, there's the recipe book that you yes, made no book. with, yeah, yep. and you made that with your mom, Doctor Delaney, and your grandma, who they call the Diva. <laughs> and this had. is a beautiful, yeah. a beautiful recipe book. It's got so many uh, color pictures of everything, and the recipe that you're going to do today is in that recipe yeah. book. In case anybody has the book already and hasn't ordered it yet, and they can follow along. And but yes. I do I didn't think about it, that I could use that for because I haven't had uh, that type of dressing for a while. So Yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
2: it gives a now nice me dressing. It. It's it's very actually very, very good on just like a plain baked potato. It's a good option as as well as sauerkraut. I don't know if anybody has ever tried, but sauerkraut on a baked potato is a game changer. So <clears throat> like I said. We're going to use tempeh today with soy products. The only stipulation I say is try to get non-GMO and organic. So as long as you do that, you're in the free and clear. You will notice when you go to the store, you can get just regular tempeh or you can get marinated tempeh. The marinated tempeh, while it is going to have some natural or already seasoned up and ready to go for you, typically it's pretty high in sodium. Um, And so you just want to be careful with that. If you find one you like or sounds good to you, take a peek at what ingredients they used and go home and make it yourself without all the extra salt. And that way you can get the flavors you're looking for without the sodium. Just a quick little tip there. But I just got this regular organic tempeh at the grocery store. There are places you can order them online but i just picked mine up there and for your tempeh you just want to cut it into slices so i cut my um, slab like that then i'm cutting it in half this way and then into long thin slices like this this way you can easily add it to your sandwich <clears throat> but you can also uh, scrape it out of your your pan a little bit easier too. (laughs) A little easier to work with. You can always cube this. Another great thing to do with tempeh is tempeh tacos. So if you um, wanna crumble it, get some nice taco seasonings going on in there, that's always a really good option too. But anyway, so soy ingredient number one. That's all we have to do with our tempeh. Now we're gonna go make our sauce. So we'll be using a silken tofu. Tofu is just coagulated soy milk. Very similar, almost exact same process as when people make cottage cheese. And then you put it into these blocks, tofu. You can get it in a variety of different um, firmness. So uh, I'm using a silken. You can get firm or extra firm. It just has to do with the, the tautness of it. You know, if you wanted it to hold its shape more, definitely want to try firm or extra firm. Like if you were cubing it and things like that. For dressings and sauces or puddings, silken's a great option. So um, I just have this shelf-stable option that I got, but you can use the refrigerated kind. And the beauty about this is we are going to do it all in a food processor. So you can do it in a food processor if you like a Ninja Bullet blender or, or Vitamix. that works as well. <clears throat> I'm gonna put my silken in there. Then we're gonna use a little bit of horseradish give a little kick if you don't want it spicy or aren't a horseradish fan, you do not have to that is one part you can skip we're going to use a little bit of ketchup I love my no sugar added Heinz tried and true Um, you can do we're going to do about a fourth of a cup and a little maybe a little extra there and again this is going to all be based off of your own taste and preference too so start with the recipe see where you get taste it as you blend it up and then you can always go back through and add more. We're going to need a little bit of lemon juice.
1: Xavier okay. said, I love cooking.
2: Good. Yes. Everybody should learn to love cooking. And, and that doesn't have to mean that it is complicated. It also is a practice. So I've had that conversation twice the past couple of days with clients. Um, you know, if things don't work out the first time when you're cooking and you've never tried it before, or you're just getting back into the kitchen, you know, it is a practice. So just keep trying, keep practicing so you can hone in on those skills, and eventually it won't be as daunting. Because usually when folks say, I don't like to cook, they're not comfortable cooking. And we don't like to do what we're not comfortable with. So get in there and get more comfortable. Try the easy stuff first. And uh, I think you'll find that it's not so bad, and it's the healthiest way to go. But we're going to do 3 teaspoons ish in here. This gives it a little bite of your lemon. And then we're going to do some sweet relish. So, uh, all righty. About a fourth of a cup. This is another one dependent on taste. You can is that adjust. something that
1: you picked up at your local store the yeah. relish.
2: Yeah, I just do a regular sweet relish. Um, So there's dill and sweet. I I particularly like sweet for this recipe. Um, And then a little cayenne pepper. Again, if you aren't into spicy, um, you can always just do a little, I would say, paprika in place of this. Um, But I'm going to do a little cayenne pepper here. Just a half a teaspoon-ish. I've made this enough. I can kind of eyeball it. Yeah, right. a lot
1: of recipes because you uh contributed to the cookbook so yeah after after doing this you're allowed to eyeball things yeah we exactly, exactly. we're just gonna look at the cookbook and go with the directions and the measurements yeah. but you,
2: you're allowed to eyeball
1: yeah
2: <laughs> all right i'm gonna uh blender up here if you want to go ahead and
1: yeah so I muted uh Addy's mic so that we guys can hear me talk and not have to hear the food processor going, and it's just going to be for a quick bit, but I just like to do that because some people are listening with earbuds, and I, I don't care to hear machines running in my ears when I'm listening on an earbud. Oh, Shabiri, you're from India. Hello. <laughs> well, welcome. That's so exciting to have you here. And I think, oh, let's see. Oh, Diane said, I love sauerkraut on baked potatoes. <laughs> Perfect.
2: Perfect. All right. Okay. Well, well, good. All right. So that's it. That's our sauce. So <clears throat> you have your sauce totally made. Again, you can taste it, change it, add a little black pepper to it if you'd like. Um, but that's as simple as it gets. And if you want to use it more as a dressing and you want to thin it out, you can always probably add a little vinegar, a little water to this. Um, and you can thin it out more. Um, but as you can see, hopefully, just a nice thick, you know, um yogurt um type of uh of a consistency. So next is our sauerkraut. So a Reuben, um is typically with the sauce, the sauerkraut, and then um we're gonna have our tempeh. Sauerkraut obviously is another fermented food. It's one I get a lot of questions on in terms of salt. Isn't sauerkraut really salty? Well, it is going to contain some sodium. We're not using a tremendous amount of it. We also have made our own sauce, so we cut down on the salt that way. And if you do have a sodium concern, what you can do is actually rinse your sauerkraut a little bit. Um, And that way you uh, aren't exposing yourself to as much, but we're not using a ton. So, what I'm going to show you now is, um, and and when you heat this, you want to heat this on low. And that way, Again, we're not killing that good bacteria. So I like to typically um, just put a little bit of my sauce in the pan, just a little bit. And then I'm going to go ahead and coat my tempeh a little, flip it around. just to get You're it not using any
1: oil, right?
2: No oil. And I love this pan. And I can send you the link even to this, Amy. Um, I am not obviously sponsored by this pan, but it's like a stone coated pan that's non naturally non-stick um it is not you know coated with anything that can be harmful and uh i love it yeah that'd be great just tell us about the pan and i'll let everybody know yeah it's a really nice one it cleans up well i never have any issues so let me grab a towel all right so then what i'll typically do is i'm going to come over here And I'm just gonna heat this up a little bit on low, just so I can get both sides of my tempeh a little bit nice and warm, (laughs) excuse me. And I wanna keep my temperature low. Like I said, we don't wanna burn it and we don't want to kill off that nice good bacteria. I'm just kind of flipping it around. Then I'm gonna come over with my sauerkraut and my sauce. Once I get things nice and heated, I'm gonna add a little bit of both to my pan. Again, I'm clicking on very low temp. This is a sandwich, you know, it's not gonna be super piping hot. And I'll add in some of my sauerkraut and more of the sauce, gonna get it really nice and, and juicy in there and take it off heat and then I'll plate it on my bread, which I have chosen a sourdough, which is another another fermented option. So it's like, how many things can I, can I throw in here? So sourdough and sprouted grains are kind of my go-to bread suggestions um, for folks. Um, both are very nutrient dense When you have fermented foods of any kind, you actually are increasing um, the nutrition bioavailability. So that's another good option. And then a sprouted grain is also gonna be typically higher in nutrition or nutrient value as well as higher fiber. So good, good options there. So all bread doesn't have to be bad and a sandwich every now and then is a good thing. Nothing wrong with it. We just wanna pick a good quality bread. You can also. I've done this over greens.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. You could just you do it just, over greens. Any over anything, greens. almost anything you can think of can just be put over absolutely. Green. Like absolutely, because yeah. for some yeah. people, it just no matter what they try, if any kind of bread, it just seems to to go right to their hips or something i don't know you know and, and and i guess if you're really active then you know it can be different experience than people who aren't as active but everybody right. we're all different in how we react to things so
2: right. but this is so Incredibly. nice you don't
1: really have much of a mess in your kitchen it's basically no. You know, not too much that you have to clean up afterwards.
2: No, not at all. Not at all. And we will actually, spoiler alert, um, we were just going to be having this for dinner tonight. Um, And and I am going to make um, a homemade like little tomato soup and these sandwiches. And it's going to be a nice hearty meal, but keeping it on the lighter side as well. So we're getting all the nutrients we need. If you aren't a tempeh fan, I I always like to say that because I know some people are not. Um, It's a little bit of a different texture. Um, It also has uh, more of a taste to it than I would say tofu does. You can always do this with tofu. What I love about this pan is I dry fry things in it. So I just slice up my tofu put it in there get it a little bit brown on all sides and then you could just mix it in again just like i'm doing with the tempeh with your sauce and with your sauerkraut and you could have a a tofu reuben if tempeh is not your thing or you can't find it
1: yeah so diane wanted to clarify she said what is the name of the bread she she wanted to know was it ezekiel
2: Ezekiel sprouted um our local grocery store actually has started to make their own sprouted bread and it's basically the same thing as Ezekiel they just have made their own um but a sprouted grain is, is a good option
1: okay thank you
2: yes but Ezekiel yeah that's a go-to and you can pretty much everybody can find Ezekiel so and they make a good wraps and things like that too and All the things. So, I have a little bit of my sauerkraut in there. And for sauerkraut, you want to try to get the refrigerated kind versus the shelf stable for fermented benefit. Um, because when it is shelf stable, it's been pasteurized more so that it can be shelf stable and doesn't necessarily have as much of the probiotic benefit. So, something to think about So, all right I'm gonna save a little bit of that dressing (laughs) excuse me for my uh, bread you can put a little bit on your bread Again, that was fast I mean this is even a quick little lunch so I don't know if you can see that so I just kind of got it a little coated there. I have got my sourdough with a little arugula here, and I'm also gonna slice up one of these beautiful heirloom tomatoes I saw at the store yesterday. It has been so hot here in Texas. I can't wait till it kind of cools down a bit and I can try to grow some of our own. My mom in Florida, I mean everything, you know, you guys have been getting awesome rain down there. Yeah. has these beautiful tomatoes they're growing. At the house, ah, but it is just yeah. Been Your mom, Dr. Moment. Delaney,
1: who we've had on the show a few times, ha- has a beautiful garden. I mean, she started off as a modest garden, and then year after year, she kept finding lots of fruit trees. I think right, and and she yeah, talked about it trees. in her podcast.
2: Yes, yes, she um she has quite the selection out there now. It's wild. It's really pretty. So. I'm just taking a slice of my tempeh there, adding it with my arugula and tomato. And then I added, you can add a little bit of mustard if you'd like, or, you know, if you wanted to do a little ketchup or whatever you, you know, other seasoning, I just like to put more of the Reuben sauce on. Um, I've also done this with a slice of avocado as well. It kind of pairs really nicely. And then you just got your, your little sandwich here ready to go so like i said we're having a bowl of some homemade tomato soup with this tonight and it'll be the perfect almost fall meal
1: so can you, can you let's bring it closer to the camera so well, we can absolutely. all see it a little bit better mm-hmm. looks beautiful Ooh, let yeah. will give you a
2: peek at the yeah Yeah. Ah. yes yeah, so pretty pretty simple it does not have to be complicated and that's what i hope for everyone to notice too with cooking you can get a lot of really great flavors and it not be complicated. Um, and it can be quick or it could take a long time. You know, you, there's something to be found for everybody. So.
1: So now if there is any leftover, which I don't know, if it would be in my, in my house, but <laughs> could you keep it in the refrigerated or freeze it? How could you save it?
2: Yes, you could keep this. Um, I would say probably up to a week, especially the sauce. Definitely up to a week for the sauce. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this should all stay quite nice. I mean, it is technically most of it's fermented. So, um, you know, if you wanted to just make a little bit at a time, you can always just, you know, open up just enough of the tempeh that you need. The sauerkraut, you know, keep it on its own and just top it that way as well. But uh, definitely about a week, I would say, in the fridge.
1: Mm. Dan said yummy. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, this is a really great option. Like I said, too, I have chopped this up and put it on top of greens for myself. Instead of a sandwich, and, and it's awesome the next day. So it just kind of really marinates and gets those flavors. But again, you just don't want to cook it too high because you want to keep those good bacteria around. Um, but this is a really, really great option uh, for it to have as a side or just as a main dish with a side salad. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy and, and give it a shot.
1: Oh, I'm really excited, and I have I have the recipe book. So, but the but I will have the link to the recipe but it is also available in the book. So I'm excited to to try it out and then try that dress, the dressing on my salad too, which is great. Now you have a toddler around two years old, right? So would this be something that, that he might enjoy?
2: Um, Textures are different with tempeh. And I would say it um, to me, and, and you kind of tell me what you think. Tempeh almost can have a bitter flavor a little bit and so he's not as much into tempeh. He loves tofu, um, but I, I've actually never tried this with him. I've tried some other tempeh with him, um, and he's been more for the tofu than the tempeh. Um, but we're, he's going to get a try of it tonight for sure. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I didn't make it very spicy, um, so that's we kind of keep things on the lower spicy end for him. Um, but most of what we make, he eats. Um, yeah. That's kind of the, the name of the game in this house. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. And you could always add in more spice after the the absolutely right? If you wanted to make it different. And I think I like that also because it seems like it's the kind of meal that people in the family could say, well, you know, I like it. I like it on, you know, with this bread or I don't want it with bread. I want it this way. I I like the ketchup. I don't want that sauce or, you know, and they could just change it up, which sounds really great. Wow. Yeah. So Karen said, Amy, please ask Addie to comment on soy curls as a nutritional equivalent? That's a good oh! question for Addie.
2: <laughs> that is good. I love soy curls. And I just have to tell you, I came up on a, a recipe for uh, it's kind of like a mock fried chicken, baked chicken with them. That is a really good topping um, to some things. But I love soy curls. They are a smaller company. They're only listed as non-GMO, but they have on their website that they're not using pesticides and chemicals. So they're a soy safe product that I am a big fan of. If you have the cookbook, um, you can note that there is a pulled pork recipe in there that I use soy curls for, but you could absolutely do this with soy curls. So what I would say is you want to go ahead and rehydrate them like you normally would, um what I, if i add them to anything after what i like to do is then uh, pour them out into a colander so i can really push the extra liquid out and then i would have you put them in a pan with some of this sauce kind of get a nice warm and coated add your sauerkraut at the very end again so we aren't um you know harming that bacteria that we're looking for there i think that'd be an awesome option yeah for sure
1: so um because Karen had said as a nutritional equivalent, so I guess you have a, your good, better, best in your your edamame, your tofu, your tempeh, and yeah, soy curls. So where does the soy curls fall along that
2: line? Soy curls um, are I love as a product because it's just soybeans. So you are getting probably you're actually getting more fiber than you necessarily would with tofu. Um, you aren't getting obviously the, the benefit of the fermented food cause they're not fermented. Um, but you are getting some of the soy benefit. Now I cannot attest to, you know, through the processing, do you lose maybe some of that soy benefit? I don't know enough. Um, on that end with the, the soy curls, but nutritionally, calorically, I would say they would probably be a little less than the tempeh, a little bit, you know, equal to maybe the tofu. Um, protein wise, they're going to be right up there. You are going to have some nice fiber and there's nothing else added to them. So you don't have to worry about salt and things like that. Um, so I think nutritionally, other than the fermentation aspect, they're going to be pretty close.
1: Cheryl said, very good to know. Thank you.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And that's, they're a good option.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If we have any questions about nutrition and even some health questions, you're, you're the one to go to today. So you don't just cook, but you uh, also do, do uh, things in the practice with your mom, Dr. Delaney. So people can even book appointments with you. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: Jake said... Fermented foods seem to trigger unpleasant symptoms for me. How can I get my body used to them?
2: Small doses. So fermented foods are something that I use almost medicinally with folks who have been maybe on recent antibiotic regimens or have been in the past and have suffered from some digestive issues. So fermented foods are a great, great option to help build up your good bacteria if you don't have a lot already there and working on boosting it, you don't want to go all in. So I would say a little bit at a time. One of the ways if I have someone who's really working on their digestion is to add just a tablespoon in every day. Just go by and and take a bite for about a week or two and then slowly titrate back. That really helps build up your tolerance to it. And very similarly to fiber. So you're going to get a lot of fiber, obviously, with sauerkraut, because it is cabbage, which is a great green high in fiber, as well as a probiotic benefit. So it's a lot on your system if you're not used to it. So I would say a little bit at a time, kind of build up your tolerance, maybe a few times a week, you know, you take a bite, that's it. And so you'll be able to work your way up to it. Just like if we were increasing someone's fiber, we just kind of have to boost your gut and, and wake it up all at the same time. And hopefully that should help.
1: Yeah, and probably chewing chewing your food pretty well too. I think yes. we're just so yes. being on the go. Yes. Sometimes we don't chew our food very well. But right, and what nice. what
2: you're pairing it with too? You know, so maybe it's not necessarily just the fermented food, but what else is there? Um, sometimes if we still have higher fat content um, in our meals, the either fermented food or the fiber gets a bad rap. But really, the high fats what's causing a gastrointestinal issue. So also taking a look at what else is inside of the meal.
1: Okay. So Rebecca said, "Do beans have lectins? Is that bad?" Where some more Lent-
2: things? Yeah. <clears throat> lectins um, get a bad rap because so lectins are thought to there are there a, a compound in our beans and lentils, legumes that are thought to be on one end of the spectrum toxic or folks worry about them blocking the uptake of nutrients from other foods or even the beans themselves that we're eating. A lot of people are really worried about the toxic side of things. Lectins, however, um, when we cook our beans, we decrease the, that lectin potency. And I don't know anybody who just takes some dry beans out and starts chewing on them. So I'm not quite sure where that got lost in translation in the media that, you know, beans are toxic, beans are bad, and lectins and the fear there, um, or the fact that they're going to reduce greatly your nutritional um, intake. And so as long as you are soaking and cooking your beans, you're good to go. As long as, you, you know, the canned beans, they're going through a very similar process, um, and so uh, all of those factors we just do naturally. So I'm never really concerned with lectins. Lectins have also been thought to actually be protective, um, especially towards things like colon cancer. So the lectins that we have left over has actually been shown to be positive. So I'm not worried about lectins. I'm not avoiding them in my foods. I am cooking my beans um, and keeping you know safe that way so I don't get a toxic buildup. But again, you are supposed to, to be able to digest our beans um, and eat them safely. You want to cook them.
1: Yeah, I eat beans every day.
2: They so, are um, the super food I think oh, yes. everybody should be talking about, beans and lentils. If you have those in your diet on a regular basis, your fiber needs will be most often met, among other foods that you're also going to consume. But they're the easiest way to make sure that you're meeting your fiber needs, which I have a goal for everybody, 40 grams or more. um, And they are phenomenal for you. The the different kinds offer different kinds of fiber. We were talking about diversity earlier, antioxidants, protein that everybody's worried about, B vitamins, calcium, iron. They're awesome. They're wonderful for you. And all the different kinds. So don't just pick one and stick with it. Try all the different kinds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Jenny said, how do we know if we need to supplement with calcium? What are your recommendations?
2: Um, There has been no connection to calcium supplementation and improved bone density, if that's why you're asking, which is often the question I get. Bone density is most improved by weight-bearing activity. So moving, putting force into the ground through walking, running, jumping, dancing, strength training, resistance training, things like that, where you're putting active force into the ground. That's going to help build up your bones. Calcium supplements, I don't really like for folks um, in general. High levels of intakes of calcium supplement has been linked to kidney stones and, and things like that. So we don't want to overdo the calcium either. We just want to get it from your food. So if you're eating leafy greens, whole grains, and your beans and lentils you should be just fine.
1: Okay. So May said, "Do we have to combine certain foods on this diet to get a complete protein?"
2: So, complete protein is meant to mean that it contains all nine essential amino acids in the quantities that we need. We make amino acids, but then there are nine that our bodies do not make, they are coined essential. It was thought that if, you know, meat does contain all nine, um, you know, eggs, things like that, so plants don't necessarily, in every single thing you eat, contain all nine in that perfect amount, or even in that same ratio as the meat does, so that we need to pair. We now know that that's just not the case. Your body takes what you consume from throughout the day and uses it, so... If you're eating a nice variety of plants, and I never look specifically, even when I'm doing some nutrition eval with folks, at pairing. If you're eating a nice uh, you know, variety of diet within your, again, your fruits, your vegetables, which you are getting some protein from, your, your lentils, your your beans, your whole grains, your potatoes, you're getting plenty of amino acids. A white baked potato actually has all nine essential amino acids. Soy is a perfect protein if we want to go that route it does contain all 90 essential amino acids in that perfect amount so it's a good option but i'm never worried about pairing different foods to meet that perfect uh amount there because you're, you're you're getting it throughout the day i'm never concerned with it
1: okay so angie said i have diabetes can i eat potatoes
2: yes Um, I will say you want to look at quantity and frequency and what else is in your meal. So that's a big question. Um, Diabetes is something that is very individualized, dependent on uh, your muscle tone, movement, um, far beyond just what your intake is um, in terms of how we would compose a plant-based meal for you. Some people at different stages within their, their diabetic journey, as they're working to reversal can eat more things like potatoes than others. There's a lot of factors that go in there. Potatoes though can potentially be absolutely a part of your, your diet, especially if you're eating those skins, cause we're getting the nice fiber there. So it's not something that I'm ever just like, no for, it's just going to be okay. Quantity. And, um, you know, what other factors do we have as part of your meal to make sure it's nice and balanced and nutrient dense and not necessarily too calorically dense for your body to have to process, um, too much at one time if it's not ready to, but potatoes are awesome. Never, never a fear of them.
1: Oh, here's a good one. Angela said, what is the difference between soluble fiber and insoluble fiber? they both important. Sounds like a test question.
2: <laughs> it does. I know you guys are making me sweat. No, um, I can talk about fiber all day. I think it's what everyone should be focused on. So thank you for this question. Um, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber are the two big umbrella categories we have within the two types of fiber that we consume. Insoluble fiber um, is not; uh, it does not gel within our body. Um, it is mostly for um, the bulking of our, our, our feces or our stool um, and, and, and collection of waste versus soluble is actually quite beneficial. It does gel within the body and it actually is helpful to help reduce excess cholesterol floating around and helping to normalize blood sugar. Both are obviously very essential. They're both helpful with your gut microbiome and the fermentation and short-chain fatty acid production within our gut. Um, so both are fantastic. You're getting both from a little bit of everything. Um, your beans that we talked about are very high in what's called soluble fiber. Um, different fruits and vegetables offer different amounts of each and every one. So again, a nice variety. It's the spice of life and it's the key to having all the nutrients you need. Um, but both are, are, are essential. They both have their own rules. Roles, and then some foods have both. Um, you know, so you, you're naturally going to get exposed to a little bit of both. And if you eat a high fiber plant-based diet, there's no need for these fiber supplements or powders. Those are all insoluble fiber anyway. So those are typically all strictly for digestive promotion. If you're eating enough fiber, you don't need to use them. Um, and and they're not really providing any of those that are helping keep you full longer after meals or helping collecting excess cholesterol, or helping with blood sugar.
1: Okay, you get an A+. Plus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg said, I have type 1 diabetes. If I adopt this lifestyle, can it help me?
2: Yes. Yes, you can. Um, so um, you can greatly improve um, your, your body and the type of composition of your meals and how you're breaking them down. So yes, we have seen this be very beneficial um, even with type one diabetics who aren't necessarily making insulin. um, But when you're putting proper foods into your body that your body um, is better at absorbing and and using, we're not seeing these big rises and falls and and, in blood sugar as is. So I, I definitely think this can be quite beneficial for all.
1: Right. And of course because the pancreas isn't making insulin someone on who has type 1 will always be dependent on insulin but it can very right. well reduce right the amount of insulin yes yeah which which is better right if you don't have to be as dependent upon it
2: yes yeah. yeah among me the- <laughs> excuse me, among the other areas that, you know, you're going to reduce risk um, in certain lifestyle diseases for. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. You'll have to, um, you know, keep with the insulin, but hopefully not need maybe as much and then reduce your risk for other disease.
1: Yeah. And as always, somebody who has type one or type two diabetes, if they're on any kind of medications, as well as maybe somebody that's uh, got p- blood pressure medications those types of things if they were to adopt this lifestyle they should probably consult with someone like you to make sure that they're not over medicated as they're getting healthier
2: right you definitely want to be in contact with your physician um you know to get that support as well you know dietitians we don't handle medication um but we can you know be aware of certain foods that are going to maybe affect the medications um needed and so or or help you see, okay, these are areas you're going to see improvements. These are things you might need to have adjusted. You need to speak with your um, healthcare provider. So absolutely, you want to have a a good line of communication with your physician um, or find a physician who is well-versed in plant-based nutrition, who can know the benefits and changes that might be made so that you can adjust those safely.
1: Okay. Uh, Carissa said, I am a slim person. Will I lose too much weight on this diet?
2: Calories are calories at the end of the day. Um, So I never have anybody count calories. I don't think we need to be that way. Um, But there are certain foods that provide more than others. So if you have a naturally higher metabolism, um, some people do lose weight initially until they realize, okay, I'm meeting my caloric needs now. Because plants, especially when we're not adding all the different additives and oils and things like that, they're naturally less calorically dense. So the volume has to increase. So oftentimes when I have folks say, okay, I'm I'm thin going into this, how do I maintain? Well, you just need to eat enough volume. So you need to look at the foods that give you the most bang for your buck calorie-wise. Also those, keep those around that are going to give you the most nutritional benefit and then meet your caloric needs. It doesn't matter what you're eating, um, cheeseburgers or salads. You know, um, health-wise, it's going to change, but when we're talking about maintaining weight, um, you know, it, it's all about the cal- caloric balance. And so that's just kind of tricky at first, because a lot of the foods are less in calories. So you just have to find ways to keep that that number balanced for you. And you should be just fine. I haven't dwindled away yet or seen someone dwindle away yet. So you should be good. And, you, and you're very active. Yeah, yeah. Active, um, had a, a very healthy pregnancy. And so my needs were, um, you know, greatly higher. It was able to meet it. Um, Normally, um, they're high-end athletes who eat this way, Um, you know, uh, ultra runners who, you know, are burning, you know, over 3,000 calories a day. So, I mean, absolutely, this can be met and exceedingly well um, with your health as well. So, um, you'll be maintaining maybe the same weight, but at a much healthier weight because we also know that we can have two people at the same weight with two very different health Statuses, um, so I I, could, I I definitely encourage you to give it a shot, and, and you should be very successful.
1: Okay, and let's see. I think we have another question. Okay, I don't know if this is something specific that you wanted to talk about, but Jennifer said, "What blood tests do you have annually?" She might be talking about if you're plant based, because she's been on the. Ask. I think okay. she's familiar with the lifestyle.
2: Okay. Um, I mean, I would say your, your basic lipid panel is always good. Um, you know, so most oftentimes your, your, your PCP is going to do, you know, look at your cholesterol, your triglycerides, um, your, your liver enzyme functions, your glucose, your hemoglobin A1C. We like to also look at what's called a CRP, which is an inflammatory marker. Um, and so that's kind of the basics of the basics, just to kind of take a peek at everything, a B12, and a vitamin D level is always nice to look at as well. Um, but those are typically the basics to take a peek at.
1: Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you talked about vitamin D because, I mean, that's, I guess they call it vitamin D, but it's really a hormone and it's not necessarily something that people think that that might be, that they could potentially be low, but it, it right. seems like a lot of people are most people probably are low and there may be some that are even deficient. Maybe you can expand upon that.
2: Right. Vitamin D is one of those that is helpful for um, bone density, but also immune health. Um, so, you know, everything that's come out, you know, with with COVID and how we can boost our immune function, you know, vitamin D plays a big role in that. So it is a, a hormone we do, we do make it, um, you know, with help from the sun. So if you get face, neck, and arm exposure – 15 minutes a day, you you can help boost your your body's ability to make vitamin D. As we age, um, we may not produce it as efficiently. So supplementation may be indicated. Also, time of year, you know, when is the sun stronger? Um, Obviously, if you live up north and you're covered up, you know, for half the year, you're going to want to try to supplement that way. So vitamin D3 supplement isn't a bad thing to think about for everybody, um, whether you're plant-based or not. Um, So just something to take a peek at, even in lab work, to see where you fall.
1: Okay. And maybe you want to expand upon that. Now, if you take a vitamin D supplement, should you also be concerned about the vitamin K?
2: Um, Not necessarily. And and you should be getting plenty of vitamin K uh, and folate within your diet. So um, not necessarily, no. I, I, I don't have someone double up with the vitamin K if they're doing vitamin D now.
1: Okay. Very good. And then, um, so maybe you could also talk about uh, food allergies, food mm-hmm. sensitivities, intolerance or tolerances or other food reactions, so maybe you could talk about the differences and how do you find the, identify the offending food?
2: And, and so, and that's what's hard, right? To find what that is, because we never really eat just one thing. Um, but intolerances um, are typically going to be, you know, digestive health related. Allergies are allergies. You know, so if you are having a histamine response, after you consume something um, and you've eliminated other environmental factors, or you know, the most common type where we see things like autoimmune reactions to different foods, um, or like a celiac type of a situation. Um, intolerances, though, often have to do when we're having some kind of poor digestive health function. And so, an elimination diet is what you go through where you truly cut back and simplify with, I do encourage help with a dietitian, a very limited diet and then slowly add in one food at a time for a few couple of days at a time to see if you have a response. Um, and so that way you develop a safe food list as you continue to add in other types of foods and then hopefully also add in things like probiotic foods and expand the fiber within your diet to help with your digestive health. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have those intolerances. Uh, you know, is that kind of what you're asking?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I think that there's sometimes confusion where people think that they're allergic to something, and some and they don't know that there's a there is a difference, right? right? right. And then and that sometimes you could eat something. And you might not get a reaction to maybe up to 72 hours later, and you may think that something that you just ate that meal just before was the offending food.
2: Right. And a lot of times, you know, we have such a strong connection between our brain and our gut, you know, our our brain-gut access. So a lot of times, too, um, digestive concerns can also be linked to times of stress, you know, affecting you as well, um, which is real you know, that's not to say that it's not happening. It's not real. But it is something that I, I have dealt with with folks too is, you know, flare ups and in these intolerance times related to times of stress, there is such a connection. Um, and looking at two, what's the inflammatory status of your gut? You know, so if we have an inflamed gut, where that absorption is being, um, you know, taken place at, you know, it's going to maybe cause some nasty responses to certain foods, or are you eating? inflammatory foods still. So like I touched a little bit earlier, a lot of times people say, I can't do spicy. It gives me reflux. Well, are you still cooking with a lot of oil and fatty foods and things like that? When truly that's causing some inflammation and that reflux response, you're just getting hit with that spicy food. So we're thinking, oh, that's the culprit. So kind of taking, the gut is so complex. So really kind of have to take a big step back and picture at your lifestyle, environmental factors, stressors, as well as the food. Another big thing that I have seen huge responses with folks is the more organic that you can eat also plays a huge role in your digestive health. If we're consuming high levels of these pesticides, which unfortunately just late in our food system anymore, um, it is actually negatively affecting, one, the nutritional value of your food, but also your, the bioavailability of those nutrients, as well as your gut health. Um, you know, so it's, it can actually be killing off some of that good bacteria if you're eating a high pesticide diet. So taking a look at that as well, for sure. Cause sometimes folks, um, especially with foods like wheat and things like that don't necessarily have as much of a negative response to organically grown compared to those with pesticides.
1: Yes. I think that someone had told a story once where they, th- that they had a uh, gluten issues, or at least that's what they thought and that they uh went went to Europe and there was uh places where they could get delicious fresh baked bread and they just couldn't resist and they said oh I'm on vacation what the heck right and they they probably overindulged and didn't get a reaction the way that if they would have done right. so in in the states and i guess that's that's probably the difference between the bread that many people can get over in Europe.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Where is it sourcing from? Um, but yeah, no, I've seen a huge difference with folks, and even my personal digestive health improved just taking a look at the organic side of things.
1: Right. And it's. I mean, it's always best to to go plant based, and not everybody can do everything organic. Right. I mean, sometimes do you what can you just can. Eat- do what you can and be selective and maybe there's certain foods that, that like you said, whenever you have anything, edamame, tofu, that it's probably best to choose the organic uh, with that particular food. Right. Right. Probably corn too, huh?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, if you can, if you can. And there is a list and it's it's renewed yearly by the Environmental Working Group, your Clean 15 or your Dirty Dozen. So uh, I, I encourage everyone, you know, to take a look at that, pop it on your refrigerator maybe, your Clean 15 being those foods that you really don't have to worry about, too much being organic, um, and then your Dirty Dozen, the ones that you really should try to focus on getting organic if you can.
1: Okay, so Brandon said, How can someone get started on the plant based diet? One meal at a
2: time, or you can dive all in. It just <laughs> depends on, <laughs> excuse me, on who you are. Um, but I would say, you know, if you're totally new, YouTube channels and things like this are so awesome because you get to see some cooking demos, um, you know, read you know, some of the great books that are out there. Um, kind of get versed in okay, what is it, and then start one meal at a time. Um, you know, uh, the simplest thing you know is oatmeal and fruit in the morning. You know, that's plant based. You know, what are you already doing that is plant based? Look at oh, make a list of all the plants that you already eat. Um, you know, there are awesome you know cookbooks out there, but you know you can always get hooked up uh, with a plant based registered dietitian that can help you navigate that selection as well um you know and get it get in a group out there there's a lot of virtual as well as in-person plant-based groups out there that i think are great for folks getting started and wanting to do this Um, but just start one meal at a time and also take inventory of foods you eat that are plant-based you know most people have eaten a potato before most people have you know had you know maybe some chili or uh, a spaghetti night um, you know, things like that. So there are very simple ways to start the transition. Just taking one meal at the time. Um, I think it's a great thing or even just one day, you know, a lot of people start with like a meatless Monday, um, but it, it, it's not going to be perfect. Um, and I think a lot of people get stressed out about that in the beginning. Like, oh, I, I can't do this. It's very overwhelming. Um, and, and I am that type of person. Uh, when I start something new, I'm like, okay, I have to nail it right out <laughs> of out that. And so um, that often will hold me back. But don't let that hold you back. You know, there are going to be bumps along the way. Our, our food is not always going to be perfect life is not perfect um so take that off the table and just get started you know i think breakfast is the easiest meal to nail down okay i got some options here then maybe work your way to lunch maybe work your way a couple dinners in a week um just start with baby steps
1: excellent advice thank you for that let's see oh <laughs> Cheryl said, This has been wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Isn't Addy wonderful? I'm so glad oh, thank that, uh, you. that, that you're here, Addie. And we just, I just really wanted to thank you for another incredible recipe demo and outstanding nutritional expertise. We are just so fortunate to have you, and, and you've answered so many great questions here. And I, I think a lot of people appreciate it. And Shabir said, Nice presentation.
2: thank you no it's it's always a a joy to be on here and and get to answer the questions i mean this is what i love um and you provide such a positive platform uh, to get the word out so no it, it is my honor to be here and get to chat with you all today so
1: tell my green warriors what you do and how they can find you and and what what you can do for them
2: yes absolutely i am a plant strong registered dietitian and i get to work with a fabulous physician um who i'm also a little biased because she is my mom um dr jamie delaney our practice is physically based in port charlotte florida and we have a physical uh, membership it's a membership-based practice um so uh we offer local membership that is a you're a full patient. She can work as your primary care, internal medicine. Um, she also is um, board certified cardiology. So we offer that with my nutritional um, supplementated advice as well. Um, but we also offer two online memberships, um, which are more online coaching memberships. Our online level one is with me, so it's month to month calls with me as your registered dietitian, developing a plan for your health and wellness goals. I also have an have an exercise physiology background, so I do touch on exercise with folks. That that's part of um, what we're looking for. I have everyone from just wanting to get started plant based to have some really you know good hard health goals they want to work on to folks who maybe are plant based but. They want to train for, uh, you know, a 5K, 10K half marathon or full marathon. I have several folks right now that they're doing some incredible running plans um, in coordination with their nutrition, you know. And so um, we have an online community. We do online Zoom weekly nutrition classes where Dr. Delaney does a, a cooking demo and a nutrition ed. Um, I do a monthly wellness challenges. And then we have a Facebook community group page to really just kind of boost you up that way in terms of give you a community to be a part of. And then we have our online level two where you have access to Dr. Delaney and myself monthly for um, two separate consultations. Um, and then obviously getting her medical advice in addition to my nutrition advice um, to help you just navigate this and give you the support that you need. Um, we, we, we love to, to meet people where we're at and meet people from all over. So we have folks from all over the country Um, And and with varieties of needs. So like I said, we we host um, athletes who maybe don't have any health problems, but want to do it plant-based or are plant-based and want to become more athletic. Um, We have folks who have concerns, um, true health concerns that we're working with um, to reverse and and improve their overall health. Uh, I have a lot of families, you know, a lot of moms out there who are looking to you know, get healthy for, for themselves, but also set a great example for their kids. And But how do you do that, um, you know, when you're trying to raise a family? So I help you navigate that as well. Um, but we offer a lot, um, like I said, either in person or, or virtually uh, with Zoom and phone calls. Uh, but uh, we, we have, hope to help as many folks as we can be plant-based for themselves, their, their families, do what they love for as long as they want to do it, move more, be well, Um, And so that is how we can connect and you can find all of that out at our physical website, which is drdelaney.com. I know Amy's going to share that, um, but we would be so excited to talk with you. Email me, you know, anytime with kind of, you know, questions about the practice. I'm just adding my first name, A-D-D-I-E at drdelaney.com. I can be reached there. You know, if you have any questions about the practice or, or wanting to work together, I'd be more than happy to do so. So, yes. And if and you're out there course, just thinking about doing this, you know, plant-based thing, do it. You, you won't know it, if you yes. don't try. Yeah, just do it.
1: Exactly. And, of course, you have this wonderful cookbook that you guys yes. put out. That, and baby. that recipe that you did today was, was from the cookbook. And we're going to give yes. links in the comments and the show notes as far as that goes. So, just have yes. so much... So much expertise and knowledge, and you've, and you've been helping so many people, and we really, really appreciate that. And Green Warriors, thank thanks for being with us today. Tell us what you're going to remember in the comments. Type it in. What's your takeaway? So people in the future who are watching the replay can know what you got from it and what they can expect. And please stay tuned for a special announcement. I did also want to thank just Task from Just Task Voice because she did the uh, promo and she did the introductions and all a lot of the social media things, and she's been really helpful with that. And Just Task Voice. Tell us who's coming up next.
0: If you're in need of better sleep, it may be time to consider your sleep hygiene. Double board certified family medicine physician, Dr. Jeffrey Pierce, will discuss how your habits may be preventing you from getting the quality sleep you need. Join us on Wednesday, September 7th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy Live.
1: Well, thanks again, Addie. You've just been wonderful. And I really wanted to thank you guys, the Green Warriors, because you're here and that's why Addie came back to see you and say hi and give this wonderful presentation. We're here to see you and you're helping us by watching to get the word out about this awesome lifestyle and you're going to help other people out there that you don't even know you're helping. So I want to invite you to Join me with Addy and say my tagline, which is be strong, be well, and be green. And Addy's going to say the last word, which is green. Are you ready, Addy? So ready. Okay. Well, until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye,
2: Addie. Bye. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, everyone. Bye.
0: Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.